Hi, today's scripture reading is from Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4 in the CSB translation. If you have a Bible or device, I'd encourage you to turn there. While you're getting there, my name is Victoria Verdick. My parents, Dave, Sarah, and I have been, a, have been covenant members at Crosspoint since January of 2023. Let's hear God's word. This is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed. He will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. He will not grow weak or be discouraged until he has established justice on earth. The coasts and islands will wait for his instruction. Thank you, Victoria. If you have a Bible there, please get to Isaiah 42, as that will be our main passage for this morning. Good morning, and welcome to Cross Point Community Church. For those who may not know me, my name is uh, Kent Heinrichsen. I'm the youth and college pastor here at Cross Point. And this morning, uh, we are starting our Advent teaching series as we examine themes that revolve around the person of Jesus. Today, we're going to be discussing the topic of hope, and then uh, later through the rest of the month of December, we're going to talk about peace joy, and love. To start off our study of hope, I want to share a story. The year was 1943. This is the setting of our story. 1943. The setting is World War II. Location uh, is Teagle Prison in Germany. A pastor and theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer is sitting in prison for opposing Hitler and the Nazi party. And while in prison around Christmas time, Dietrich was writing letters to his fiancée, Maria, as well as devotionals for people in his church to encourage them during the Advent season. In one of those devotions, Bonhoeffer writes this, Celebrating Advent means being able to wait. Waiting is an art that our impatient age has forgotten. Now, this was back in 1943. Uh, how much more is it true of the year 2023, almost 80 years later, that this age, waiting, is a skill that is forgotten? See, while Bonhoeffer was sitting in his, present, his prison cell, we can kind of guess that maybe he was waiting for things. He was probably waiting for the war to be over, for Hitler to be defeated, waiting to marry his fiancée, Maria. There's things he was waiting for. Today, we too are waiting for things. Everyone has something that they are waiting for. For example, who in here wishes it was warmer outside? I pray and hope I'm not the only one. I do not love the cold. Give me the warmer weather. So you're, you're waiting for spring weather, even though it's not even officially winter yet. You're waiting for something. Students. Where are my students at? Who, who in here wishes they were already on Christmas break? Anybody? Students? Yes? Yes? You're, you're waiting to be done with school for the semester, even though that you still have finals to, to have, projects to turn in, weeks of classes to attend. You're waiting for something that hasn't happened yet. Maybe you enjoy the cold weather. Maybe you're not waiting for Christmas break. But maybe, just maybe, maybe you're someone in here who is, is dealing with an illness sickness or an injury, whether it's you personally or someone that you love dearly, you're, you're waiting for a full recovery. 
Maybe you're someone who has a conflict in relationships with family or friends. And you desire to see conflict resolution to happen in those relationships. You're waiting for that. Maybe you're someone in this room who desires to find a spouse. Or maybe you're someone here who's desiring to conceive and, and birth a child. And you find yourself in this state of waiting. Ultimately, if you're a believer in Jesus, a follower of Christ, you and I are waiting for the day that we can be with him forever, free from the presence of sin and worshiping him perfectly in eternity. We are all waiting for something. What is it that you are waiting for? What are you waiting for? In our passage today, we're going to see this concept of waiting. So if you haven't already, please meet me in Isaiah 42. And before we read our passage, I want to go over some background info to Isaiah 42 because Isaiah, it's uh, one of the uh, books of the prophets. It can be kind of confusing. So I just want to lay it out, set it up so that we know what we're reading and what does it mean. So Isaiah is a prophet to the uh, Judah, who is the southern kingdom after the uh, nation of Israel split into two kingdoms. He was uh, doing ministry from 742 B.C. to 701 B.C. Um, in his time of ministry, he prophesies things that, uh, a couple things that happened in his time in ministry. So a couple of those things is the northern kingdom, Israel, falls to Assyria in 722. And then he also talks about in uh, this book in, in 701 B.C. that Assyria invades Judah, the southern kingdom, where he is ministering to. But they return to Assyria without conquering Jerusalem. They haven't completely took it over yet. You see that in Isaiah chapters 36 through 37. And then there are things that the book, uh, that in that book, the prophet Isaiah prophesies things that are in the future that uh, he doesn't see in his lifetime. One of those things is Judah falling to Babylon. You see this prophecy in Isaiah 39. And then he talks about and prophesying about the Jewish people exiled to Babylon. You see this in Isaiah 40. And then in Isaiah 42, he prophesies that God will bring a servant to bring justice. And it's here with this background info that we're going to read the first few verses of Isaiah 42. So if you would meet me, chapter 42 of Isaiah, verse 1. This is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed. He will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. He will not grow weak or be discouraged until he has established justice on the earth. The coasts and the islands will wait for his instruction. Here we see that this servant as someone who is chosen by God, has the Spirit of God on him, and he will not bring attention to himself, but rather bring glory to God. He will humble himself. He will not be prideful. The mission of this servant is not to add a burden to people, but rather bring justice to those who are hurting, those who are hopeless, and to those who, metaphorical, their flame is about to go out. This servant of God will be strong, courageous, so much so that the earth will look to him for help and wait for his instruction. You can imagine that the Jewish people 
uh, who, w- when they're in exile, they're, they're waiting, they're expecting the servant of God to show up. And, and, and maybe they're uh, reading this very scroll from Isaiah, this book of Isaiah, and they're yearning for the day. They wait with eagerness for God's servant to arrive. We know God's servant does arrive. He does show up almost 600 years later after exile. To put this into perspective, the United States has only been around for 247 years. So, yeah, 600 years, that is a long time to wait. Maybe by now in this sermon, you've asked this question, um, Pastor, why are we talking about waiting so much? I thought this morning we were going to talk about hope. Wasn't hope the theme that we are going to cover this morning? Hope seems more like a positive thing to dwell on. Waiting, no one likes to do. Seems kind of negative. So, Pastor, why are you making us wait to talk about hope? That's a valid question, right? Turn with me now to Matthew 12, verse 15. In your Bibles or device, find Matthew 12, verse 15. Now, right before verse 15, Jesus, in this passage in Matthew, has healed a man on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees are furious and angry, to say the least, so much so that they plan to kill Jesus. And right after their Matthew records them planning and plotting to kill Jesus. He records this in verse 15 of Matthew 12. Verse 15 says, Jesus was aware of this and withdrew. Large crowds followed him and he healed them. He healed them all. He warned them not to make him known so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Here is my servant who I am chosen. My beloved and in whom I delight, I will put my spirit on him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not argue or shout. No one will hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick until he has led justice to victory. The nations will put their hope in his name. From here we see that God gave Matthew, the writer of this book, understanding that Jesus was the servant that the Jewish people had been waiting for all this time. He quotes the passage that we read in Isaiah. But did you notice the change of wording in the last verse in Matthew? From the last verse in Isaiah 42? The last line of Isaiah 42, 4 says, The coasts and islands will wait for his instruction. But here in Matthew 12, 21, it says, The nations will put their hope in his name. And so the question is, why the change of wording? Well, we can know that coasts and islands, when he's talking about that, it can mean various things. Nations, we also know that when you trust a person's words or a command, it can be equated to trusting in that person. But how is waiting and hope connected? So please join me. Let's dig a little deeper here into Scripture for a moment. Commentators seem to agree that Matthew is quoting from the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament. Now, just quick background the Septuagint was made because the Greeks ruled over the land for 300 years from 331 B.C. to 31 B.C. Then afterwards, Romans defeat the Greeks, and then during the Roman control of Israel, time of Jesus. Okay, so the Greek language after 300 years was so ingrained in society that 70 translators took the Old Testament from Hebrew 
and translated it into Greek so people could understand it easier. In the case of Matthew 12, 21, the question is why would the translators use the word hope instead of wait? If we go back to the original Hebrew language in Isaiah 42, the word wait is the word yahil. The definition means wait, cause to hope. Yahil, wait, to cause to hope. This Hebrew word means to wait and to hope. And this Hebrew word, yahil, shows a connection between waiting and hoping. And this connection between waiting and hoping is seen actually throughout Scripture. Take Psalm 130, for example. Psalm 130 says this, Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Lord, if you keep an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For there is faithful love with the Lord. And with him is redemption and abundance. And he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. There's this beautiful connection between waiting and hope. It's as if God designed periods of waiting to remind humanity to put hope in him. You heal. Wait. Cause to hope. Some of us don't like waiting. You may despise waiting, in fact. You may take matters into your own hands. You don't, you don't wait for a solution. You're the one finding the solution you, according to what you think is best. And if you're in here and this relates to you, I'm, I'm right there with you. I want to find solutions to problems as soon as they arise, as fast as I can. I don't like to wait. You heal means to wait. Cause to hope. Some of us maybe accept the waiting, but... Instead of hoping, you find yourself in despair. You might experience worry and anxiety while you wait. You can only focus on the outcome that is least desired. And if this is you, I've been there. There are times when anxiety is paralyzing. And fear grips my heart when something goes wrong. And I can't move on. And I'm waiting, but in despair. You heal means wait, cause to hope. Some of us accept the waiting, but instead of hoping in the Lord, you put your hope in someone or something else. You might go to that thing or that person for comfort or for direction instead of going first to God. If this is you, I'm also there with you at times. I've been there. There are times when I put my hope in food, that that, that food will come for me. I put my Hope in my wife to give me direction in life before I go to uh, my hope in God. I understand. I've been there. You heal. means wait. Cause to hope. See, waiting is designed for us to put our hope in God. The creator of the universe. The God who has formed every human being. The God who is sovereign and in control over all. Waiting is designed for us to put our hope in the God who loves you and I. 
the God who desires to be in a person, personal relationship with everyone here, each of us in this room. Be a heal means wait, cause to hope. See, in their waiting, Israel was hoping that God would send his servant and save them from their worldly enemies. They hoped the Messiah would change their circumstances to something that they desired. When God did send Jesus to earth, rather than saving them from the Romans, Jesus came to save them from a greater enemy, uh, greater than any power in the world at that time and ever to exist. He came to save humanity from the power of sin, the grip of the devil. The majority of Jewish people were more concerned about their well-being and their own glory rather than glorifying God and enjoying Him. A lot of them missed the Messiah. Some of us can relate. We accept the waiting. We would say we're hoping in God, but what we hope for is sometimes something less than growing deeper in our enjoyment of God and our desire to glorify God. Sometimes we hope that God would just change our circumstances. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to ask God to act on our behalf to change circumstances in our lives, but what I am saying is that we shouldn't stop there. We should place our hope in God whether or not we get what we desire. We can say that we desire truly to enjoy and glorify God more than the outcome we want. And if you struggle with this at times, I'm right there with you. There have been times I've asked God to take away a trial or a pain because it's an inconvenience rather than asking God to grow my enjoyment of Him for God to be ever more glorified in my life, whether He takes away the trial or not. You heal. It means wait. Cause to hope. Maybe you can relate with me. Maybe you've seen where you've not waited well. You've not placed your hope in God at times to enjoy Him and glorify Him deeper. You have misplaced hope. And if so, I want you to be honest with God this morning. I want you to confess it to the Lord. Repent of it. Ask God to forgive you and remind you of the forgiveness that you have in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never placed your hope in Jesus or you don't understand what it means to have your hope in Christ. Then I want to share with you the, the greatest news of all, the very reason why we celebrate Christmas. And it's the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that you and I and all of humanity are created to be in a relationship with God, the creator of the universe. But every single human has a sin problem. We choose to do whatever we want instead of choosing what glorifies God. We choose to invite to find enjoyment in other things rather than enjoying God. We fail to love others and love God perfectly to God's standards. And every single human has this problem and our sin separates us from God. Without sufficient payment, we can never have this right relationship with God that we were created for. This results in eternal separation from Him at the end of our lives. Uh, God will be separated from us for all eternity. But God in His grace and mercy, came down to the earth in the person of Jesus Christ to pay our payment of death as He died the most gruesome, torturous death of crucifixion. Then three days later, Jesus rose from being dead and was resurrected, showing that He defeated sin and death. 
And if you and I trust in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, confess Him as Savior of your life, place your faith in Him, following Him with all of your life, thus confessing Him as Lord of your life, then you will be saved from your sin and enter this right relationship with God that all of us were created for. And in doing so, placing your hope in Christ to save you from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and from the presence of sin one day. For believers in this life, we can experience benefits of our salvation, our hope in Christ as we have a real relationship with God presently. We have power to overcome temptation. We're still waiting, though. There's an aspect of our hope that we're waiting for the day that Jesus comes back so we can spend eternity with Him free from the presence of sin. And just like Israel was waiting for the Messiah to arrive, we too, as a church, we as as the Big C Church, we are waiting in a time period of waiting for the second advent of Christ. And the church, we've, the global church has been waiting for almost 2,000 years. And we don't just hope for a change of circumstances to be free of trials. We also hope that we know that spiritual intimacy with God is worth it, that that is the goal, that that is what satisfies us. That communion with God is what our souls long for. It's what we are created for. Romans 8, 18 through 25 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, but not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved. But the hope that is seen is not hope, but because who hopes for what he sees? But now if we have hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. So brothers and sisters, let's wait with hope. Let's wait with hope. Let's heal. Let's wait be caused to hope. In conclusion, our waiting with hope for Jesus should be the motivation for everything that we do everything that we do. It should give us a missional mindset of living God-glorifying lives and enjoying Him in everything we do. So students, whether it's, you know, on the basketball court or, or the arena of sports, or maybe it's in the classroom, parents, adults, or maybe it's in our jobs, in our community where we live, or in our home with our families, our hope in Christ should drive us to do whatever we do to enjoy God and glorify Him. And as we celebrate Christmas this season, let us celebrate the hope that we have in Christ. Let us hold on to the hope as we wait for His second advent, when Christ will return again. To finish the story of Dietrich Bonhoeffer that um, we talked about in the beginning of the sermon, Bonhoeffer he waited in prison for a year and a half before being sentenced to death. Without 
any witnesses, without any evidence against him, with no records of proceedings or defense, he was sentenced. The next day, Bonhoeffer was executed by hanging. As recorded by a witness, uh, this was written about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The witness says, I saw Pastor Bonhoeffer kneeling on the floor, praying fervently to God. I was most deeply moved by the way this lovable man prayed, so devout and so certain that God heard his prayer. At the place of execution, he again said a short prayer and then climbed a few steps to the gallows, brave and composed. His death ensued after a few seconds. In the almost 50 years that I worked as a doctor, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer had his hope entirely in Jesus Christ. He trusted him with his entire life. I pray that we too would place our hope in Jesus so much so that whatever the circumstance is, it would be said that it was clear that we trust God, that we wait with hope. Today, this Communion Sunday, as it's the first Sunday of the month, and I can't think of a better picture of a local body of believers publicly showing they're waiting with hope in Christ than taking communion together. Communion reminds us of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, the price that was paid for us, the way from the Jews symbolized his body and blood. And as we partake in the elements, it reminds us that as believers, we belong to Christ. It reminds us that we are waiting for the day that we will be forever in the presence of Christ, free from the presence of sin. So we invite you to partake with us, but feel free to pass the elements along if you don't want to. Communion is for anyone who confesses to be a believer in Christ, a follower of Jesus, and places Him as Savior and Lord of their life. So if you have not done that, we ask that you pass the elements down to the next person. And while the elements are being passed, there will be music that is being played to allow you time for reflection, time for prayer um, with people around you, uh, with yourself. And so uh, if you would, please take the next couple moments to pause, reflect, uh, and then we'll take the elements together after um, they've been passed out. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink the juice. God, as we pause and we reflect on your love for us, that we can see clearly in Christ on the, on the cross is reminded of his death and resurrection. And God, we thank you. God, we are in awe of you. And God, we confess that we need you every single day. God, as we are waiting to be reunited with you in in the physical presence of, of you, free from the presence of sin. God, I pray that we would trust you, that we have our hope in you, that we would be able to rest in your goodness and your love for us, knowing that we are fully accepted by you, knowing that we are saved from our sins and in a right relationship with you. 
So God, I thank you for these truths that you've given us, these pictures that you show us, these reminders that this is not our home here on earth, God, that we have a residence that is with you in heaven, and that is something that we are waiting eagerly for. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go on, I just want to encourage you with these verses from the book of Titus, chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in this present age. And while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as you go out this week, remind one another of the hope that we have. Encourage one another to wait well, to put our hope in Christ as we wait. I pray that you would have a blessed week. Uh, Meet someone new. Pray for someone before you leave. Have a great uh, rest of your week in the Lord. God bless.